like I have a Pinterest board about ducks. Like I went real deep about how to how to do ducks, and then I had to be like, you're not gonna get ducks. So like this is great, and you're you're not gonna get ducks. So you can just back out of this and save this for someone else for another day. Welcome to Live, Learn, Repeat, a podcast by Learning Forte. In our first season, Let Your Values Be Your Guide, we will wrestle with some of the guide and values of Learning Forte and how they shape our personal and organizational work. Our podcast community of Stacey Williams-Duncan, Hannah Graham, Nia McKenney, Sarah Lawing, and myself, Greg Klimovitz, we are looking forward to the authentic sharing over the next four episodes to roll out weekly. And yes, we know the title of the season is cliche, and the title of the first episode, even the podcast, is a bit kitschy. That's on purpose. We want to push on and play with the overly sentimental phrases that stick with us. Each episode will pair one of our guiding values with a familiar truism, and we will poke it, test it, and share our experiences with it. We will likely even confess other kitschy phrases and things we own or wear that speak to these values. We believe these conversations will ultimately lead all of us to healthier work-life values-grounded efforts for, as we say, the common good. But first, you may wonder, what in the world is kitschy? Anyway, kitsch is basically lazy art. Vanilla phrases, cheaply marketed objects of inspiration. We shared a few on the trailer. And I love that Google's definition of kitsch calls out lava lamps as an example. We own one. You could also think of those leadership posters or really anything you buy from Michael's or Home Goods. Yep, own all that stuff too. Pinterest is full of kitsch. So are the New York Times bestseller lists and leadership conferences. Participated and read them. But enough. Let's get to our values in episode one. Time is of the essence, after all. If you see what I did there. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to dive in here. Friends, welcome to our first episode of Live, Learn, Repeat. Yay! I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but the real question, Hannah, is did you dress up? I I did a little bit because because I... Okay, because... Did it just make you feel better? Well, all the recording that I do is usually video, and so I forget that podcast is just audio. So even though this is a Friday and our internal custom is like... No external meetings. We wear what we want on Fridays. I did dress up today. I dressed up too. I um, This is my shirt for Curious Engagement. Love each other 2020. I'm going to wear a different shirt every episode. I'm so excited. <laughs> I have my good sweatpants on today. <laughs> so... So, friends, uh, in considering a title for this episode, it was kind of fun uh, to to do some uh, searching of some really kitschy phrases. And I was talking with Stacey a little bit. And I think, Sarah, I might have mentioned this to you, too, about how it might be fun down the road to kind of play at some of, like, the top ten, like, world's, like, most cliched phrases in business. Um, it'd be really interesting to see what that looks like, but you'll notice some of the titles of these episodes. And this one is a title, uh, curious engagement is the wick in the candle of learning. Mm. <laughs> so in considering a title for this episode and that Googled phrase, I'm wondering, what do you make of that kitschy slogan? It's actually curiosity is the wick in the candle of learning. It made me think the title of this episode, Greg made me think about, um, in education, they talk a lot about like having a growth mindset. And I feel like 
it's sort of saying the same thing that like you to be an eager learner curiosity is really the the key like to have that be sort of the thing that runs down <clears throat> and grounds you um and so that like when you do hear something new or encounter something new you meet it with this growth mindset instead of i'm good the way i am i know everything i need to know <laughs> you should tell that to my 10 year old that he does not know everything mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. that he needs to continue to learn because it's really great. It's really great that he knows everything. That must be a real burden to him. Um, when I was thinking about this, the um, I I mean, I get it. Um, but when I was thinking about this metaphor as curiosity as the wick, uh, curiosity is the spark. Sorry. If you step even like a further step back, like a wick is a, set of, a, a sedentary thing. If there's nothing to light it, then it doesn't matter. And so I would think, in my mind, the curiosity is the spark that lights the candle. And the engagement, if we're, we're going to go real deep, the engagement is the wick, the curiosity is the spark. We will have to let whoever know, or whoever developed this slogan, Hannah, that you have real beef with it. <laughs> and we'll see. We'll change the SEOs on this one, right? <laughs> hey, man. I was going to say, that's fine. We're about that. We're going to have to agree to disagree, Hannah. We are five minutes in and we're already having an argument. Does this mean we're done? See, I'm going to have a layer of insight here. I don't know at all where your 10-year-old gets this sense of knowing everything. I mean, you just challenged that truism. I challenged it. I didn't say I knew about it. And he gets it from my husband, if you're wondering. (laughs) All of our objectives for the podcast are coming true in the first five minutes of recording. Um, I actually think, though, taking it back to, like, why this is such an important value at Learning Forte is that I think that curiosity has led all of us to become experts in certain areas. But it also helps us balance and make sure that we're real clear with each other and with our clients and with just ourselves that we're not experts in everything. And so I think it is like that piece of curious engagement driving us that helps us keep asking the questions of who are we talking to? Who are we not talking to? Who needs to be at the table? Greg's favorite question that's become all of our favorite questions. You know, who are we unintentionally leaving out of the conversation? And that curious engagement piece, I think is one of the reasons that um, this team is so interesting to work with. Because all of us, as we've been together, have become experts in things that we weren't originally or years ago because we continue to be curious. And another layer to that is all of us are curious about different things, which is so such a gift working on a team in that like I I am the queen of curious rabbit holes. I mean, as a 6 on the Enneagram, like I go real deep. Like I pick one thing and go real deep as some of you may have seen on our Instagram with my chickens. I know everything there is to know about chickens because I want real deep. But what I find interesting and engaging curiosity is different than what Nia finds engaging and curious. And so we both go deep, but kind of in different directions, but then we're able to share that expertise with each other. Nia, what are you curious about today? Um, well, 
I'm curious if we talked about the fact that I am also a six and I had never met another six before meeting him. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't um, know you were a six. For those uh, who do not know Enneagram styles and may be curious about what a six on the Enneagram actually is, Nia, can you unpack that for us? I feel I feel like I'm still a, an Enneagram noob, um, very much so. I believe so far that... Oh, is that a book? Oh. <laughs> no, even better. It is a piece of kitsch. It is a poster that I printed out from Etsy that describes an Enneagram oh. 6. See, and I said I didn't have any kitsch in my house. And I love that you're showing that to our po- podcast mm-hmm. listeners. Thank you. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. All right. Enough. <laughs> Enough. I'm showing you guys, but yeah, poor podcast people won't be able to see it because this is a weird platform that only hears my voice. We'll get a picture of it. We'll get a picture of it and post it on social yeah, media. It'll be, a, it'll be a screenshot from, from your tiny little square. So Nia, how do you understand yourself as as a six? Like how how, how does that how does that shape uh, even the wick of your candle of learning? Oh, yeah, the wick, any any part of the candle. Um, I so very much similar to what Hannah said about like taking a thing and getting and knowing as much about as many like corners of that room as possible and like any any level of of depth is like one level too too short i want to go another level into understanding why that thing oh my gosh on the most illuminating thing about being for me a type six is i didn't understand my need to know why until like a year ago mm-hmm and it is not just like, oh, I want to know how this works. I need to know why it works that way and why it can be used in the way that it is. So I'm curious then if that means that uh, you'll have to, Hannah and Nia, like, inform this. Do you think that that healthy type sixes have a growth mindset? I think healthy sixes do. Because the the um the part that could go real bad real fast is when um you think you have to know everything about everything right mm. and so instead of having a growth mindset it's you're you're just inhaling information and you get stuck down a tunnel mm-hmm. and you you can't figure out like that okay that's enough like i have a pinterest board about ducks like I went real deep about how to how to do ducks, and then I had to be like, "You're not going to get ducks." So like, this is great, and like, mm, mm-hmm. you're you're not going to get ducks. So you can just back out of this and save this for someone else for another day. And one of the things, so, so listeners don't think that we're going to just always be an Enneagram podcast, um, exactly. but this does this does shape a little bit about who we are. Um, and one of the things I will say, um, from a curiosity standpoint, is if, if you are interested in in the Enneagram, you can dive into it and other resources and tools. We can maybe even link on our episode page, but. Um, sixes are known for being what's called a loyalist who actually often need safety and security. And one of the things that I've always found interesting, I'm actually is, and knowing a lot of the sixes in my life 
is that it also that curiosity allows for a layer of safety and trust uh, when you learn those mm-hmm. things, uh, which is really fascinating. Uh, and Nia, I love how you say that in terms of understanding. One thing I'll chime in here about this this phrase, since I haven't shared anything, is one of the things that I've thought about a lot is the amount of candles that we have in our house with wicks that are done. <laughs> like... And you save the candles, maybe because they look nice or pretty, but they can't do anything. They literally no longer serve a purpose. You can't ignite it, so they look great, and I, but they're really useless. And when I think about learning without curiosity, it's really not learning at all. Like it's it's really a, a layer of like kind of arrogance, like this assumption that you know things. Well, maybe you really don't. And so you actually, in order to be an effective learner, you have to have curiosity or really that learning, I feel like, is going to be in vain. Hmm. Um, so that's one okay. of the things I have found really fascinating about that phrase. But let's let's kind of move forward a little bit. When we think about um, curious engagement as a team, wondering what some of the present curiosities that each of you have that have shaped some of your learning and leading. That's why I chose this shirt. I know it's a podcast and it says love each other uh, 2020, because I really think that if you broaden this out, other than just like curious engagement um, with learning, you know, in learning environments that we call like classrooms and stuff like that. I mean, the world is a learning environment. And so I don't want to jump ahead um, because I know you've got some questions, but like, I really think that is also what drives like, I hate to get, I don't want to get like too deep, but I'm probably going to, but like fear is the opposite of curiosity. Wow. And that um, when we don't engage with diverse perspectives and embrace innovation, we let that fear drive us. And then we become afraid of like the other Mm -hmm. and the other becomes scary instead of intriguing. That's right. And the other in ourselves too, right? Like that's a piece of it. It's others, you know, diverse perspectives that other people have, that other ideas have, that other um, disciplines have, that other types of businesses have, but also like what's the other in ourselves and where we might be headed or end up, which is, can be so radically different than where we thought we were going to go, which I think is really true for everybody at Learning Forte. None of us could have imagined we would be doing this. So given this question about what are you curious about, it would actually be a good time to, to share that uh, the, one of the guiding values of Learning Forte, as we've named, is curious engagement. And this is how we as a team kind of understand it. Um, curious engagement is seeking out diverse perspectives, helps us identify and embrace innovation. And for me, when I think about this, um, a big piece of that curious engagement component has to do with how do I ask more questions than draft answers? Um, and trusting in the expertise of others. Um, one of the things I've, I mean, there's a, there's kind of a question that we've talked about before is like, where have you had a, a learning from an unexpected place? And it's a good question. But one of the things I think is interesting is when we say an unexpected place, like the fact that we don't expect something from someone is actually a mark of struggling with curious engagement. We should expect 
that other people have really good perspectives that can inform and shape our learning and our responses. Hmm. And so for me, it's all about asking uh, healthier and and uh, more robust questions than being on the ready uh, to to speak out an answer. Yeah, it brings to mind like the Emily Ray's in a rise model for meaningful feedback that you lead with a question instead of immediately pouncing and being like, Oh yeah, but I know all of this already. It's almost like with an air of arrogance, but if you approach it with a question first, um, asking the other person what they meant by something, or did you think about this instead of, um, criticism, right away is so helpful. For me, one of the curiosities that I hold is that we do live in an increasingly uh, kind of global world. And so Everybody is assumed to be an expert. You can get learnings wherever you want. You can watch videos. You can download courses, even through us, all that kind of stuff, which then makes it seem that everybody is an expert, kind of like what you were saying, Hannah, about your own kid. But it also means that what we share about our knowledge can have a a far reach and impact that we may not always know. And so what I'm curious about is how... How does that shape how and what we share in different hybrid spaces so that we don't get caught in a fence, if you know what I mean, because we perceive ourselves to be too big of an expert? That might be kind of loaded, and I'm sure a lot of that is going to get cut out. Wait, wait, wait. Why are we surprised? Greg is like famous for loaded comments and loaded <laughs> questions. I mean, that's your whole role in our in our yeah. ecosystem is to be the coach that asks those. So. As you live into this podcast with us, this is no- going to be a normal thing. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, every month we fill out these, uh, like we have one-on-one meetings with one person. Mine is with Hannah. Hannah and I meet every month. And we talk about, like, we fill out these, like, pre- and post-questionnaires, worksheets, kind of about our professional and personal growth and one of the questions is like, what is our present curiosity? So I just looked to see if I could find my one for September and I'll just read it. It says, how can I exhibit a calm presence in the midst of chaotic circumstances while upholding boundaries, prioritizing mental and emotional health and modeling intentional alignment of processes and practices for my colleagues? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Easy peasy. Yeah, no problem. That's a lofty, that's a lofty curiosity right there. Mine sound really simple compared to that, John. <laughs> I think I must have been like, I, I feel like, you know, uh, we are a company that sort of uh, is innovative and we are really trying to move, Greg, this is your phrase, move the needle. Uh, when it comes to processes and models and really partnering and walking alongside people as they figure out how to lead and learn and grow. And uh, so we push ourselves to do the same thing. So one of my curiosities that is ongoing um, is why do organizations 
not seek out expertise from places outside of their lane. I don't understand why that's not more of a thing. Um, I come from congregational ministry, and um, while you do have lay leaders who who out, work outside of the church in different disciplines, it's not like the church is going out to look at different business models or, um, you know, businesses are looking at um, customer service. Well, maybe they are. I don't know. It just, it seems like everyone is comparing themselves and learning from different organizations that are in their lane already instead of going out and looking at a completely um different source and being curious and be like, well, how do you do it? I feel this way about snow removal. This is a complete aside, but like, I don't understand. Maryland cannot get their act together with snow removal. (laughs) Why do they not send a dude to Buffalo and be like, how do you do snow removal? And like learn anything. Like literally if they just sat in a meeting for two hours and learned about how Buffalo did snow removal, came back and was like, these are the pieces we can do. Then we wouldn't be closed for three or four days at a time. Like, like reach out, man. Like learn from people. And in this global world, I mean, this like we're closer to the whole you know global community than we ever have been before. Yeah, like, dude in Buffalo is a Zoom call away. Come on now. And That's the right. reality is, um, I'm curious as why you wouldn't want to have schools closed for three straight days, Hannah. Because I have three children and I need them to go to school. <laughs> Need them that gone. The <laughs> I need them to go to school. <clears throat> My answer to present curiosities um, is since I am working with like website clients, and the process is so the process is really big and yet really small at the same time, kind of because to uh, to me as the person who's like building a lot of these websites and you look at something and you click through the 20 pages that you've created and you're like, wow, we talked about these 20 pages for like 16 weeks or whatever. Um, and it, and so it feels small, but it feels big. And one of the things that I really push myself to be curious about is something that we discuss often. How, can I lead people to saying or even understanding themselves what they actually mean, like what they want? Um, Because their view of their own organization is so, it is diverse and it is intricate and it leads a lot of people who are not doing the exact thing that I am doing to say like, oh, well, I want 13 photos on my front page. Okay, how can we move away from having 13 pictures on your front page, which in my opinion is too many? And how can I suggest like, what if we use four photos here? We're going to use some really concise but descriptive phrases here, blah, blah, blah. Um, that is like, that honestly is probably the heaviest question for me to myself when it comes to leading something along. Wow. That, that goes back to like being curious about 
not just other people, but your own motivations Mm -hmm. too. One of the things that um, some folks may know that listen to this, but our team knows is that I'm also um, an ICF trained leadership Mm -hmm. coach. And one of the the main functions of a leadership coach is to ask questions. Like actually a coach should be consistently asking questions, not, not answers Um, really about holding space. The word that I use a lot is capaciousness. It's about holding space for curiosity. So you can get to exactly what Nia just said. What is it that you're actually trying to say? What is it that you're actually trying to do? And each question can help a, a person or a client or, or someone who's doing learning, get closer and closer to what they're actually trying to say or mean. And I love that, Nia. Um, And Hannah, what you're talking about here about learning from outside the lane leads to uh, the next question pretty well about what what is, um, when has a curiosity led you to learn from or collaborate with something or someone in a way that maybe surprised you? Um, and I can, I can share with our podcast community, if you've noticed one of the, the, the podcast episodes that's up there already from Learning Forte from our Strategic Imagination Sandbox is an episode where we learn from an executive director um, of an equine therapy program. Um, but we learn from the executive director a lot about what horses do in leadership. And I am going to tell you right now, horses are not my lane. They're not. <laughs> like... <laughs> this is not my area i am like the least horse person there is on the planet um but i have learned a lot about uh how horses can can help us find healing help us navigate questions um about how horses lead from the back and they're usually led by mares so like yeah down with the patriarchy like and so like all that kind of stuff i've learned a lot from them but i will also say one of the places where i've consistently learned has been through teenagers and young people mm-hmm. um and how they hold space for curiosity better than i think any anyone out there the youth of this world so that's a quick shout out for teenagers so what about the rest of you um where have you had curiosity shaped from spaces that surprised you i think i've learned more about community and leadership from my dance studio than I have ever learned as part of any other organization before. Um, You're there for a common purpose. You love the same thing. You don't just sit around and talk about how you love the thing. You do the thing Mm -hmm. together. And that is just like a really powerful learning in my life. You know, you know what, Sarah, that is like such an insight into how you lead on our team, because you are one of the models that helps us not just talk about these models with our clients, because you don't have a ton of client facing time. You do a lot more supporting us in doing our client work or back end work um, when a client needs graphics and stuff. And yet you are like, as I think about our team, one of the people that make sure that we're working our models internally. And so, yeah. like, I think where I see curiosity come out and curious engagement come from you is making sure that you're learning all the stuff we're doing with clients and you're learning our models all the time and helping us use them internally. And so that's really yeah. interesting to me to think about, oh, that's the crossover from her dance world. Hmm. Yeah, cool. I mean, I had not connected the two, but I think you're right. I mean, yeah, really I love cool. to learn our models and processes because I don't use them or workshop them with clients on a regular basis. So like I signed up for a formation by design and took a class with Hannah and um, 
yeah, have just really enjoyed really thinking through our, our models and processes. So this immediately made me think about um, my time working at um, a public library when I lived in Cincinnati. I worked at a branch that, well, many libraries, unless they're in like super affluent areas where the infrastructure is really not built for anything but the wealthy community to live and thrive. Um, But the branch I worked at was not that. And I... I learned more about what makes a community, what forces you to learn from that community in my time working at that library than I than probably any other thing in which I had to actively take part in day-to-day life and process and learning and leading and everything. And there were, like, working with people and communities that I, if I'm honest with myself, probably would have avoided had I not worked Mm. at a place where, you know, you have to, you must listen to the people that you are faced with. You must listen to people who are banging on the door Mm. at 9.59 because they are cold and they need you to help them write a resume. Like, it gives me chills to think about the things that I got to work with because I had to. And, and like, the library is the perfect, I mean, there's so many layers to meaning there. There you know? are. Miriam McKenney would be, get, get my mother on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So we should we should just jump in and say that um, one of the defining pieces in my life is that I knew Nia before her mom, and she's a really yeah. significant leader in the Episcopal Church. And so, like, I think that's so cool that I knew Nia. But since I've gotten to know her mom, and her mom is a librarian, is a trained librarian, and has grown and brought all of those skills into her publishing expertise and her ministry expertise and so like Nia you grew up in a house where crossing over and assuming that different areas of life had something to teach for each other Mm -hmm. I mean that's something that I loved about you when I first met you and now as I've gotten to know your mom I'm like oh that's where that comes from (laughs) yes (laughs) and I love what you did there Nia too is bringing curiosity into um real people um curiosity is not just about like some sort of like academic ascent um the curiosity was about well oh my gosh somebody is coming into this library because they're cold what does that mean well curiosity is about this person is looking for help built like developing a resume to get a job well why why do they need that and and they're located there whatever like they're the curiosity is not just about academic or intellect. It's about like really a relational component about understanding real people. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought that in there. So I, a question for, for you all though, is while we have these curiosities and surprises from different spaces, I, what about the absence of curiosity? I mean, that's the hard one, right? Like when curiosity is missing, uh, when have you experienced uh, that gone wrong? <laughs> well, 
our entire world right now, the New York Times, we're recording this in October, and like my curiosity right now is deeply about how do we stand in opposition to terrorism and yet not ignore the contextual realities that led to the despair that resulted in people feeling like that was their only option. And so, like, I feel like a lack of curiosity um, can happen a lot in how we report things and how we talk about things. And, um, and, and, and that's hard because I don't know the answers. Like, um, and yet all I know is we've got to keep being curious about what's the complete story. What are the different perspectives? Yeah, politics, religion, we tend to silo ourselves off and we, and then it becomes sort of like a, an arrogant kind of pursuit of let me, um, advance the narrative we're trying to build Mm. here instead of the reality of what is. Wow. I can think of, I can think of a lot of my relationships and, interactions that have been void of curiosity um which then doesn't allow you to get to a point of empathy um which then means fights are going to be fueled mm-hmm. um if you don't ask like questions if they're used right if they're not like why would you say that like that's not exactly a curious question <laughs> right like that's 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 violent like, but if you say, what would lead you to believe that? Like, and you can change the approach or what, what, what about what I said, fill in the blank or what is going on there that may have led to like when you shape those. Or tell me your personal experiences with. Yes. Yeah. All of that. Like, I think you're exactly right. Is when we, when we bring into curiosity, it allows us to have empathy, but so many of my own, not only the political stuff, but I think in my own personal relationships, um, throughout my life, um, when I don't have curiosity, um, it just leads to conflict. And when I don't hold curiosity in the midst of conflict, it doesn't make things any better. It makes it worse. Yeah, that's right. You know what? I mean, I'm making a real connection here between sometimes you intuitively do stuff and then you figure out the connections later on. And I, you know, think that like, we always begin by conversations with contextual realities, I mean, like, what's the context? What's happening in this particular place? That's, like, the place we begin all of our design work. And I think that in many ways, beginning with con- with contextual realities is a manifestation of this value of curious engagement. That bef- no matter how, mu- how many times we've done this design work with different groups, no matter how much expertise we might have, until we have curiously engaged their context by learning about the realities that exist there – we can't help. We can't serve. And um, I think about like, like one of the things we're really working on is how do we manifest these values in our actions? And we're, and that is just an, a connection that I'm sitting here making in this conversation today. So one thing that I'm thinking about is that, you know, at the beginning we talked about, oh, things that we're curious about. And sometimes curiosity comes really easily. And what we were just talking about is curiosity in the midst of conflict is really hard 
and it actually takes more energy. Absolutely. And I have a suspicion that's why that people don't engage with it during conflict because it's hard and it takes more energy. So if you're curious about something that interests you, it's a lot easier than mm-hmm. curious of something that you already feel like you know the answer and you're just trying to pull right. the answer for your agenda, then opening yourself up to curiosity is a lot harder. It takes more energy. Well, mm. and I think that it's really important that this is our first episode and talking about values. And I think it's really important for us to name that we believe values are both descriptive and prescriptive. And some days they're really descriptive And some days they're mostly just prescriptive and we need to lean into them more because we're not manifesting them. And so like we in no way, or I, this is Stacey, in no way want to say that this values work that Learning Forte has been involved in is easy. Um, And in later episodes, I'm going to talk a little bit about where I've been really failing at one of these and I have like needed to be prescriptive. Um, because it hasn't been descriptive for me lately and that's not good. And so, um, and it's not life-giving. So I think I really want to say in the very beginning of our conversations about values is we see them as descriptive and prescriptive and we're along that spectrum, that continuum in different places with each value every day for different ones of us. Which is why I think it's important for folks, if you've caught it, is that we started with, um, the, the kitsch cliche, um, phrase uh, curiosity is the wick and the candle of learning, but the title of this episode is Curious Engagement. The word engagement was added there. Um, and there's an element there that is important. Um, so why attach engagement to curiosity for this value? Why is that important? It's how we mirror out into the world the value. It's the practice piece. Just like one of our models that values practice alignment. It is... Uh, getting the implicit value explicitly expressed so that other people can engage or can, uh, can see it. That's tangible. Yeah. Engagement is the action. You can be curious about something and never take action. You have to engage with it. It's what makes curiosity relational. Those are some good phrases there. So, Here's kind of a fun one as we continue to come in for landing for some of our conversations today in this first episode. So if each of you could finish this sentence, if curious engagement were readily practiced, the world would be blank. Integrated. Less violent. More empathetic. More creative. If curious engagement were readily practiced, the world would listen. Mm beautiful we're gonna have to post those up somewhere where our podcasters can see them so here we are friends this is going to be learning forte's uh rendition of a lightning round and so this is where you get to hear from us um Responses to this question. What is something kitschy you possess that reminds you of the value of curious engagement? My printed out poster of my Enneagram six words that I have framed. And she once again is holding up. (laughs) And once again, I'm holding it up. I'm relentless. (laughs) 
have a coffee cup that says, why not? That's the thing that came to mind for me. I have um, different stickers from all over and places that we've traveled that um, I keep on my desk and my coffee cups all the time. Uh, And I just put up that like fake stained glass window cling film in a bunch of my windows. I have that too in my bathroom. That's awesome, Nia. I love it. And so you're going to love this. Look, I have, if you were watching this podcast, I have a candle. (laughs) I will show you. This is a really kitschy candle that says relax and restore. I used to get all of these. I have that candle. You do? Nice. Like, and guess what? There's no wick. <laughs> What's it smell like? Nothing Does it smell anymore. Like relaxation? Oh. <laughs> it smells like oh, smells like done candle. I used this candle in the midst of the pandemic, and I kept it. <laughs> it has a memento. Yes, and it says relax and restore. And there's a bunch of these Ches- Chesapeake Bay candles. There's your nice little maybe we'll sponsor this podcast. Shout out. Shout out. Right. Like, and I just like I looked over to my right. And I was like, that's a perfect ending to this episode. A candle without a wick. Uh, is in the midst of the pandemic. So, friends, way to bring been, it home, Greg. That's right. It's been a privilege to talk with you all. That's our first. Episode of Live, Learn, Repeat. Yay. Yeah, excellent. Maybe we'll do this again. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, again, like we said, time is of the essence. Time so. is of the essence. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, have a good one, friends. Looking forward to talking with you all again about our next guy. Yeah, she's waving. We're all waving. See ya. Uh- <laughs> oh my god. Thanks for listening to Live, Learn, Repeat, a podcast hosted by Learning Forte's Stacey Williams-Duncan, Hannah Graham, Greg Klimovitz, Sarah Lawing, and Nia McKenney. Executive production of this podcast is by Greg Klimovitz. Our audio production team is Nia McKenney and Sarah Lawing. Help us grow our podcast learning community by leaving us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and by sharing on your socials. If you'd like to learn more about Learning Forte and our various learning and leadership programs, consulting services, and digital platforms, check out our website at www.learningforte.com.